welcome to the Blue Shoes Fitness Podcast, where we talk about strength training, nutrition, faith, family, and how all of those things work together for parents like you and me. My name is Coach Jay, and today's episode is part two of our deep dive into some basic nutrition terms that you ought to know. Uh, just like in the previous episode, some of these terms are going to be super important for you and for your goals, while I'm going to recommend that you totally disregard some of the others. And just like in the last episode, uh, the point here is to help you to know the difference between what's important and what's not so that you can feel better educated the next time that you're at the store deciding which foods to buy. Let's kick things off with our verse of the week, and I'm going to be reading out of 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. When was the last time that you read out of 2 Chronicles? It's an awesome book with some amazing, incredible stories in it. All right, here is chapter 7, verse 14. This is God speaking, and he says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. I don't really know how much I need to expand on this here because that is pretty straightforward and to the point and encouraging if you ask me. Um, of course, as always, we do need to be careful and mindful when we're pulling verses and instructions from the Old Testament and from the New Testament as well, but especially from the Old Testament and the Old Covenant. We need to be careful with how much of that we apply to ourselves today. But I would argue that this is completely within bounds of what we're called to today. So this is God speaking to Solomon here, and uh, this is right after the temple has been completed and has been dedicated, and God is putting out a call to action that should offer encouragement to us, but it's not encouraging in the uh, the heartwarming, uh, give you a hug kind of way. This is some tough love that I think we need to hear in our 21st century world now. Uh, God is commanding. This is not just a, hey, I think, you know, maybe this would be a good idea. This is this is God commanding that people would do a few things, that they would humble themselves, that they would pray, that they would seek his face and turn from their wicked ways. And the result of that being that he will hear from his position in heaven and not just that he hears it, but that he will forgive the people and will heal their land. And I really pray that over our land today, not just America, not just my little city, uh, but also the world as a whole, that we would do all of those things, that we would approach God with humility, that we would pray and seek his face, that we would not just do those things and hope that he punches our ticket to heaven, so to speak, but that we would actually turn from our ways. Um, and that in, in light of that, that God would forgive us. And uh, wow, that's that's pretty awesome. And if you haven't read that story, that's in Second Chronicles chapter 7. Go back and read it. That's a good time. All righty, today's topic, Nutrition Terms You Should Know, Part 2. So just like the last episode, I have the second half of my list here, and we are going alphabet uh, alphabetically, if I can say that correctly, alphabetically through these terms. And uh, these are uh, a mixed bag of things that are very important for you to not only know, but to understand and to apply, as well as some that are important to know so that you can either avoid them or disregard them. And let's start off with one of the controversial ones here. Our first term that we're talking about is, well, it's a twofer. It's probiotic and prebiotic. 
Do you know what the difference is? Maybe you've heard of both of these. You've probably run into probiotics uh, in that phrase uh, more often than prebiotics. But a lot of times you'll see these linked together, and sometimes they're used interchangeably, when in reality they're actually two very separate things. Um, This is outside of the scope of this episode to talk too far in depth about how much you should care about these here, but I do want to give you an idea of what it is that you're actually looking at and talking about here. So probiotics, uh, real simply put, it's the good bacteria within your gut. If you want to say good, you want to say healthy, it's the bacteria that is helpful for you as its host organism, if you want to think about it that way. So probiotics are the the actual bacteria themselves. Uh, you'll see some of the bigger ones being lactobacillus and bifidobacterium. Those are going to be some of the ones that you will see on uh, food products that are labeled as uh, being probiotics, whether it's a supplement, whether it is uh, something like kombucha or other fermented products. Uh, you'll you likely see on some of those nutrition labels, they'll label out which specific which specific bacteria uh, they are are showing. And um, those are going to be some of the big ones. And they'll likely also have a bacteria count on those too. Um, and that often gets quite high. And you really don't maybe have a great perspective of how many millions of bacteria you have in your body, how many millions of bacteria you might potentially want to supplement with. And so all of that, there's a it's a whole world gut health if you haven't done any kind of a deep dive into that world. Um, there's a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of information that maybe is true, but maybe a little bit uh, blown out of proportion as far as the importance of supplementing with that. And so I'll let you do some of that research on your own. And if you have any questions on that, you let me know and we'll uh, we'll talk about it here on the podcast. So probiotics are the bacteria themselves. Prebiotics is Another grouping of supplements, and this is uh, usually for the sake of supplementing to help the bacteria, to help the probiotics, and prebiotics are food for the good gut bacteria. Uh, you'll see this listed off in a slew of um, of ingredients or plant uh, compounds, things like dandelion greens, you'll see that listed a lot, chicory root, you'll see that listed a lot. So prebiotics are the food sources for your good gut bacteria, aka your probiotics. And the idea with prebiotics is that if you want to host not only good bacteria within your gut, but enough good bacteria that you need those to grow and that those need to feed off of something. And so that's where the role of prebiotic supplements also come in. So probiotics are the bacteria themselves and prebiotics are the food that you can supplement to help feed that good gut bacteria. Next up is proprietary blend. Again, this is one of my favorite phrases to introduce to clients for the sake of telling them that they should disregard this and if you see this on any supplement that you should uh, approach with caution, let's let's put it that way. So proprietary blend, does that sound secretive? It certainly sounds that way to me. Uh, so sometimes you'll see this listed as a complex or a matrix. If it doesn't say proprietary blend, you'll see this on a lot of supplements, especially uh, fitness related supplements, especially body composition and fat loss related supplements. Um, This is simply put, it's a a mix of ingredients with undisclosed amounts and ratios of the specific ingredients. And so there are a variety of reasons why a company might choose to write proprietary blend on them. Uh, One might be to stand out from the competition where, oh, if you have something that's proprietary, that's specific to you and no one else can touch it. And not only is that off limits for other people to copy it, but 
people don't also know, they don't know what's in it either because it's proprietary and that's all you have to list. Um, so you'll see this on a, a lot of different supplements. One of the more common ones that you'll see it on. And uh, this is something that I have uh, looked into quite a bit over the last few years are BCAAs, branch chain amino acids. You might see something that a supplement that's listed as uh, containing five grams of BCAAs per serving. And then you flip over the container to the other side and you see that it has a proprietary blend of BCAAs. And then it just says that it has five grams of it. But that doesn't really tell you a whole lot. That doesn't tell you which of the branch chain amino acids are in that supplement. And some of them are going to be more important than others to supplement in greater amounts if you're if that is something that's going to be helpful and that's a whole another topic too because bcaas are usually superfluous they're usually uh, a little bit over the top if you're already getting sufficient amounts of protein but if that's something that is important for you and your goals and um you would probably want to know what it is that you're exactly taking in. Um, so you might see that something has five grams worth of bcaas in it but do you really know where those are being distributed. Same thing with fish oil. So I take a fish oil pill every day and some fish oil uh, tablets or pills uh, or supplements will say that they contain a certain amount of fish oil in it or a certain amount of um, omegas in it. And then you flip it over to the back and it doesn't tell you specifically what's in it. It might say proprietary blend or a complex or a matrix of fish oil or omega-3s. And that's not super helpful because what I want to know is what's how much EPA is in it, how much DHA is in it. And so, um, I'm sorry, DHA and EPA. Yeah. Uh, so you take a look at that and you go, okay, that's not super helpful to know, to not know what's in a proprietary blend. And it sounds really fancy and secretive. And I would avoid that if you can, because you will likely be able to find a supplement version that will tell you exactly what's in it. And I would, I would go with that 10 out of 10 times as opposed to not knowing what's going on. Next up is the is the term satiety. So maybe you've heard this uh, phrase, especially when it comes to uh, dieting. You'll see uh, some foods being labeled as being satiating. That's from that same root of satiety. Uh, satiety is simply a way of describing the feeling or level of fullness that you experience after eating a meal. So a meal or a food that has a high satiety level means that you're going to feel more full than less full after eating it. Uh, you'll see some coaches talking about the satiety index. And this is a tool that I use with my clients who are in a calorie deficit and they're struggling with hunger as being something that is a big obstacle for their goals. We'll take a look at the satiety index, which that's uh, there's a really awesome chart that you can find on that, which lists out some of the most satiating foods per per unit of measurement. So per 100 grams, for example. And the number one satiating food on that list that you will see coaches talking about over and over and over again is, or I should say, are potatoes. The classic white potato is constantly listed as the most satiating food item that you can have. And so this is really helpful, especially when you're dieting, because if you're thinking about, if you're eating your entirety of your calories on a day-to-day -day basis. This is extreme, but it'll demonstrate a point. If you're eating the entirety of your calories on a day-to-day -day basis from donuts, do you think that you will feel more or less full than if you ate the entirety of your calories from broccoli? And this isn't to say something uh, about one being healthier than the other, which you might have some preconceived notions about those two foods there. But the idea being from a fullness point of view, from a satiety point of view, you will feel much more satiated, much more full after having eaten 
however many pounds of broccoli that would be versus however many, you know, a couple donuts that that would be. And of course, there this is a whole spectrum and there is a whole slew of foods that can match your goals. You don't have to just choose pounds and pounds of broccoli or all donuts. Um, but when you are dieting and you are physically consuming fewer calories than your body needs to just maintain itself, which that's the nature of how fat loss works, um, you will likely feel hungry and you will likely benefit from finding ways to increase your satiety level of your meals, uh, meaning that you will probably want meals that are going to leave you feeling more full as opposed to just eating a meal and then still feeling hungry immediately afterward. Uh, so satiety is a big thing in the nutrition world. It's a big concept that can be very important and very relevant if that's something that you are um, interested in from a dieting perspective. And likewise, on the flip side, if you are in a building or bulking phase and you are constantly feeling overstuffed to, to where you are just always feeling full, maybe you're feeling full from your previous meal as you're beginning your next meal, um, that might be something where you take a look at that satiety index and you go, oh, well, I'm eating you know, a whole you know, potato or two for each of my meals. Maybe I dial that back either portion wise or uh, frequency wise throughout the day and replace it with something that is a that has a lower satiety level. So you can work on that from both sides too. All right, next up, superfood. If you're on YouTube or Spotify watching this, I'm looking at the camera, just nodding my head. Superfood, this is another term uh, that does not mean anything specific or useful and is therefore just not very helpful. This is a big marketing term that is often used to describe foods that have a high nutrient density or have a lot of antioxidants. Those tend to be some of the places where you'll see that. Uh, if you were to look up a, a list of superfoods, you might see really basic fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, um, meats, things like that. Uh, you might see blueberries show up on that. You might see wine show up on that list. You might see walnuts or almonds. Uh, there are, uh, depending on who you ask, you might see all sorts of different lists or different items on these superfood lists. Uh, and that kind of just goes to demonstrate the point. This term doesn't mean anything. It's not regulated. It's something where anybody could put, you could put superfoods on a pack of Oreos and no one would be able to say anything about that. So I would not worry too much about trying to, to search out superfoods and buying those because they're labeled as such. Now, a lot of the foods on this list are delicious. Of course, that's subjective, but a lot of them are going to be delicious. A lot of them will have a high nutrient density, meaning that they're going to have lots of micronutrients in it for you. So this isn't a bad term, in my opinion. Um, I've used lists like that in my early nutrition days before I did any kind of formal study of nutrition. Um, I would do you know, a list of you know, best superfoods to eat. And the, the term, again, is very subjective and is not very helpful from that. But uh, it was helpful in learning about some of these foods that do have high nutrient densities, high amounts of antioxidants and things like that. So um, you can use this word, but again, be careful on letting this term influence your, your shopping decisions. Uh, so that's, that's superfoods for you. Next up, we have vitamins, and we might as well talk about minerals while we're here too and what the differences and similarities are. So vitamins and minerals, uh, both of these are micronutrients. We've talked about in the previous episode, we talked about macros or macronutrients, and those are going to be the the compounds that you are going to need in, in macro amounts, in large amounts. Uh, you'll think of, uh, you know, protein, carbs, fats as the three macronutrients, and you'll think of those as being measured in grams primarily if you're trying to hit 100 grams of protein a day or 200 grams of carbs a day and things like that. 
Uh, so micronutrients, on the other hand, are nutrients that you will need in relatively small amounts in order to keep all your bodily functions working properly. Um, micronutrients are often measured in in uh, milligrams, in units of measurement that are smaller than grams. So uh, from a vitamin's point of view, vitamins are organic compounds. Um, these come from plants and animals. That's the nature of being organic in this case. Not to be confused with organic as we talked about being uh, termed in the previous episode. So organic in this case means that they are from plants or animal products. Uh, vitamins are going to be labeled by letters. So you have vitamin A, you have the B complex vitamins, you have vitamin C, vitamin D, vitamin E, vitamin K, to name a few. And minerals, on the other hand, kind of as you might even just uh, deduce from the name itself, these are inorganic compounds. These are going to be coming from the soil, the ground. They're going to be coming from even water sources. Uh, some of the bigger ones that you'll see on food labels that are going to be important for uh, just overall healthy bodily function and from a fitness point of view too and, and muscle contraction point of view. Uh, you'll see calcium being a big one, sodium, iron, zinc, sulfur. Some of those are going to be the more important uh, minerals that you'll see as being listed on foods that are that are maybe fortified with vitamins and minerals. You might see that on some nutrition packaging as well too. So vitamins and minerals, the difference being that they are organic and inorganic respectively, and both of them are going to be micronutrients. And micronutrients don't get talked about a whole lot in the fitness world, sometimes because we spend so much time talking about the macronutrients, because those are going to be the ones, the macronutrients are going to be the ones that are going to have a larger effect on your body composition. However, if you focus exclusively on macronutrients at the expense of having any sort of micronutrient density in your diet, you will you will probably not feel great or perform very well in your workouts or outside of them too. So um, these are quite important. In fact, these are very important. And uh, depending on who you ask from a health perspective, um, a lot of a lot of people would say that micronutrients are at least as helpful and healthful as macronutrients. So um, don't worry about your macros at the expense of micros. And I know that's easier said than done. But um, the next time that you're looking at some of the food labels of some of the foods that you eat most often, take a look at the micronutrient content. And if you're tracking via an app, if you're tracking your meals, you can even check to see on most apps will also show you your micronutrient distribution. And that can be really interesting to see which micros that you are either sufficient in or lacking in or somewhere in between. And so that can be an interesting study on your own diet as well. And the very last term that we're going to talk about here, again, going alphabetically here, we're going to talk about whole grains. And this is a fairly uh, boring term to end on here because the, the name is pretty self-explanatory, but I do want to point out something that's helpful for you here. Uh, whole grains are simply grain products which contain the whole grain. Nobody saw that one coming. Um, so uh, when we talk about the whole grain, there are three parts of grain products. Uh, think about rice, think about oats. Um, Think about wheat, of course. Um, so when we're talking about whole grains, there are three parts of the grain. There's the endosperm, the germ, and the bran. And a lot of, from my understanding, a lot of refined grains, which are not whole grain, um, are only going to be 
containing the endosperm as opposed to the germ and the bran uh, attached to it. Uh, a lot of these are going to have a similar macronutrient profile, and a lot of them are going to be pretty similar micronutrient-wise too. You might get a little bit more things like fiber with whole grain products. Um, think about brown rice versus white rice and how there has been a massive shift on these two products, uh, you know, butting heads of for a long time, the entire world ate white rice and everybody was cool with that. And then at some point, someone came along and said, oh, brown rice, turns out that's way healthier than white rice. And then everybody made the switch to brown rice. All of a sudden, brown rice was available all over the place. I think of like going to Chipotle. And when that first came around, uh, they introduced brown rice. And that was during that time where I very much believed that brown rice was inherently superior and like by far superior to white rice from a health point of view, from a fitness and body composition point of view. But it turns out that if you take a serving of brown rice and a serving of white rice across a lot of measures that are going to be practical for you, from the macronutrients to the satiety factor, uh, macros, I mean, leading to the calorie profile as well, they're going to be so similar, virtually identical in most cases. And so this is one of those... Uh, examples of where where knowledge is power of if you have been forcing yourself to eat brown rice or brown rice products, just as an example here, because this is something that a lot of people in the fitness industry have had experience with. If you find that you are just force feeding yourself brown rice and you think, I can't stand this, I don't like this, but I feel like I need to buy it. I, I feel like it's healthier and that is, you know, it's better. Um, I would encourage you that that's probably not the case. And the impact that you are that's that's having on your body by way of eating brown rice versus white rice um, is probably pretty minimal at best and so um, this is something again to be able to look into your specific situation and with your health you know current health and health history if you've been um, uh, if you have a specific reason to eat more brown rice than white rice go for it that's totally good if you prefer brown rice versus white rice if, if you prefer whole grain products versus refined grain products that is totally good more power to you uh, but for a lot of people, again, things like brown rice might not be so available. It might be out of reach financially because it tends to be more expensive. Um, it tends not to last quite as long because it has uh, the the germ and bran on it as well too. And so there is going to be a little bit of a fat content there that can spoil. So these are just, it, to, they go to show that it's not the conversation around nutrition as a whole, but especially with uh, specific food products that we need to be careful about trying to elevate certain food products or styles of eating above others when it's the subjective matter and it's going to be different for different people in different situations as opposed to some of these things we know that vitamins and minerals for example are needed by everybody and everybody would do well to pay attention to those to some degree whereas something like this where we go you know brown rice versus white rice is that really something is that really a hill that we need to die on um, and so i'm i'm speaking also from a some, from the point of view of somebody who eats white rice at least once a day. So that's that's worth considering too when you hear my opinion on this. But um, uh, I would I would go along with that uh, before going around the fear route of of seeing these various marketing terms and going, oh man, I all of a sudden need to buy this or oh man, I need to stop buying this product. There are a lot of people on social media now who are growing very large accounts very quickly that are really just bringing a whole level of fear mongering into a lot of these terms. And so I hope that these two episodes about these nutrition terms that I think that you ought to be 
aware of and that you ought to know. I hope that this brings some sort of clarity to that and some sort of sense of uh, you can relax, you can have a little bit of peace about the way that uh, that you're going about your grocery shopping and, and to be able to do that from an educated experience point of view as opposed to a fear-based point of view. All right, and part of the reason why I wanted to do this episode here as a part two is because in my notes on every single episode, I have a personal update section. And I think I have only gotten to this section like one or two times. And so I wanted to, I knew that this episode is going to be a little bit shorter. And so I wanted to end this episode with a few personal updates about what's going on in our family in and outside of fitness. And uh, this is something that I hope to be able to share more often too, because as a parent, I love sharing about our family. And as a parent, I also love hearing about other families and what's going on in their lives too. And so maybe you'll be interested in this as well too. So uh, from a personal point of view, our three and a half year old is a few weeks deep into dance lessons at the Center for the Arts, which is a an arts center at our church. Uh, the The building is uh, is open to the community, and the church uh, hires out various teachers and instructors for all sorts of different. Uh, arts and educational-based programs. In fact, my wife is actually a watercolor instructor for the Center for the Arts. Uh, But our three-and-a-half-year-old has been taking dance lessons for the past month or so, and she has a recital coming up in a couple months. She's been doing ballet and tap dancing. And let me tell you, if you have a daughter who's a toddler and you have not seen the joy that comes from them, from within, of when you put them in a little pink two two and tights and give them some instruction on uh how to dance and uh and just let them kind of run with that it is amazing and it is just it nearly brings tears to my eyes just thinking about that because it is so fun seeing her get so excited just to be able to jump up and down and she's always talking about doing little leaps those are those are her favorite the little leaps in the class and she loves her teacher she loves the class and of course uh part of the the big mission of the Center for the Arts, too, is to hire instructors that are not just awesome and experienced in their craft and as instructors, but also that they would be imparting the love of Jesus onto these kids, too. And so that has been just a really awesome experience for us, too. If you're local in the Phoenix or Arizona area, I would definitely check out the Center for the Arts over at Copper Hills Church. Uh, Next up, our two-year-old just our little Valentine just turned to a couple days ago and she is a few weeks post-op from her ear tube surgery. And, uh, this was a, she, this was a long time coming. She has had so many ear infections in her short two year life so far. And so we, uh, she finally became old enough to be able to get her myringotomy, which I had to, if you're on, if you're watching this here, had to bust out my old, uh, medical terminology, a short course textbook from college to look up what a myringotomy was and Maringo has to do with the eardrum. And that's exactly what, um, what the surgery was. And if, if you've not had experience with ear tubes, uh, with your kids, or if you haven't heard that before, it's literal tubes that go into your kid's ears, uh, to be able to help drain out extra fluid, uh, to help reduce the occurrence of ear infections. And it has been awesome. Um, it was not fun, uh, watching her, you know, uh, kind of go into this uh, not knowing what was really going on. But I tell you, after a couple hours of being a little bit fussy and a little bit sleepy after the fact, you wouldn't have no idea that she had gone through that. And in fact, she had an active ear infection when she went in. So it was probably good that she got it. So that's been our excitement for her. Uh, My wife, what she does, if you haven't, if I haven't mentioned this on here before, she's an illustrator. Um, she has an awesome Etsy shop called Lillian Threads, and she does all sorts of 
uh, like homeschool-based uh, uh, curriculums and uh, downloads and all of that kind of stuff. And she is pretty talented, if I do say so myself. Uh, but her big project that she's been working on for the past six months or so with her best friend is a four-week preschool curriculum that is designed to uh, not take the place of traditional homeschool or those kinds of curriculums, but it can be a supplement to that. And it's a it's a biblical-based preschool curriculum. And let me tell you, oh my goodness, it has been so cool to see her get so excited about creating this and then launching it. And just the other day, they had their first sale of the curriculum. And it was like we were at Costco getting gas. And uh, she said, oh, we just got our first sale. And it was like we had a little mini dance party in the car because it was so cool to get to see uh, some of that work pay off, um, you know, just the very first family that's getting their hands on um, this curriculum. So that's been super cool. And from my side of things, uh, we are from a fitness side, we are in the middle of our training block or current training block in the Strong Shepherds program, which you've heard me talk about before. Uh, that's my group training program for parents specifically. It's a three day a week program. It is designed to be uh, fairly minimal, to be straight and to the point. It's designed to be affordable. It's designed to be really uh, just uh, available for whoever wants it. And uh, it's very flexible as well, too. You can do it at home or in the gym. And we have all sorts of uh, great conversations in there. We do a lot of, uh, I do a weekly Q&A in there. Anyway, we are in the smack dab middle of our training block right now. And it has been awesome. I've actually been following along with the workouts as well. Um, in, in an effort to try to practice what I preach, I've been doing it as well too. And uh, man, that has been so much fun. And uh, it's we've started a lot of really good discussions within the group and outside of it too. And it's been neat seeing so many parents getting so excited and happy about uh, where their strength and their fitness is taking them to. Uh, outside of the fitness realm of things, uh, and I can speak more to this later too, but I was actually uh, a few weeks ago, maybe a month and a half ago, uh, invited to join the elder board at our church. And uh, that has been, I, I, I don't know that I've really sat and processed it long enough to be able to put that uh, concisely into words, but man, that has been such an honor to be invited to it and to have attended a few meetings now and to be making, uh, helping make some big decisions for the church and with the church and seeing the church in a whole new light. Uh, that has been an amazing experience so far, and I'm really excited to continue to to grow and to be surrounded by people who are just so passionate about not just the big C church, but also the little C church as well, too, that we go to. So uh, I'll leave you with that. That's today. That's it for today's episode. Um, as always, take a screenshot of this, post it to your social media, and tag me, and I'll get back to you on that, too. But I'll leave you with that. I'm Coach Jay. Thanks for hanging with me, and we'll see you next time.